everybody. You are listening to Limited Playtime, the board game podcast where we bring you board game reviews in 30 minutes or less. Or the next episode is free. I am Kyle Bolin. And I'm Jason Cavallari. And today, we are bringing you a Cthulhu game! I love Cthulhu games! He does, yes, it's true. Tentacles! If you've listened to this podcast for more than a few episodes, you probably know that, because I feel like we do a Cthulhu game just about every fifth episode or so. (laughs) Yeah. I love me some madness and some squishy things from time beyond space. Yeah. So today, we're doing Cthulhu, colon... Death may die, the colon is silent. <laughs> Bringing that old chestnut back. It's been a while. I don't think we've done that since 2019, Jason. <laughs> I know. Which wow. coincidentally is when this game was published. Mm, published. 2019. You sounded like Augustus St. Cloud. That, yeah, it's my <laughs> alter, <laughs> my alter ego. Uh, okay, so Cthulhu Death May Die is designed by Rob Davio and Eric M. Lang. Art by Nicholas Fructus, Carl Kopinski, Terry Mason, Edgar Skomorowski. Says two more. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get them. I'm gonna get them. Adrian Smith and Richard Wright. Uh, and hey, those ones were easy too. <laughs> yeah, those were. Yeah, uh, published by Simon Global Limited. Plus ten more. <laughs> uh, so this was a Simon Kickstarter game, what Twas. like three years ago is when it was on Kickstarter. Or so yeah, and then, like and it was a big controversy because there was a real big Cthulhu figure, and everybody's like, "I want the Cthulhu figure," and they were like, "No, only a hundred people or whatever will get it." And then uh, I don't know, like people got pitchforks and and you know torches, and and then they they made lots more Cthulhu figures available. Did you get the big Cthulhu? Did you get the big Cthulhu figure? You did? I did not. No, I did not. you did not. Okay, yeah, yeah, it was $200. Was that it? Yeah, apart from, like, the normal pledge for everything else, it was, like, an extra $200. Yeah, you're going to spend, like, $150 on the game and then another $200 on this gigantic Cthulhu miniature. I was not going to do that. Maxature? Maxature. It was kind of cool, though, because it kind of... I mean, whatever. I mean, it's a huge Cthulhu thing, but um, it, it also came with its own scenario specifically for right. that. Yeah, and you played on the figure, yeah. I remember. Like, there was, like, yeah. little, like, levels on it. Like, there was, like, little places carved out for the figures to set on top of the Cthulhu and, and yeah, yeah. at different, like, levels, you know, like, from the, the bottom to the top or whatever. So Yeah, I, th- I thought that was pretty neat. But, I but still we're not reviewing that figure because yeah. <laughs> uh, we definitely don't have that. And, and, uh, and you know, we're not I have crazy. seen we're it, though. I, s- I saw it at Gen Con that year. I think I saw it at a store somewhere one time. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just thinking of, of Gen Con, but anyway. All right. So Cthulhu Death My Die is a cooperative game uh, where you try to stop a ritual from summoning a great old one and then fight the great old one and kill it. Yep. That is what you do in this game. <laughs> I, I've played one scenario twice. Jason, you've played two scenarios? I've, I've played two scenarios, each uh-huh. of them twice. Yeah. yeah, and it's a scenario-based game. It's very modular. Like, we, when we when we were playing this game, I kind of likened it in a way to Marvel United, a game we just played, so it's a little bit salient at the moment. But in that same way that you pick a villain, um, and then there's a lot of other sort of, like, you know, modular things that plug into the game, that's kind of how this game works, where you, you pick a scenario, and then you plug one of the great old ones into that scenario, uh, and so, like, you can kind of, like, mix and match who the great old one is that you are fighting against while also carrying out this, like, you know, like, uh, you know, like, scenario around the great old one. Yeah, each of the bits comes with its own um, uh, set of cards for specific for that 
scenario or for that you know, elder one or whatever mm-hmm. and you mix those cards into the sort of standard uh deck whichever deck is appropriate and so the the game mechanics which rely on drawing a lot of these cards are tailored to you know those particular elements that you add to it yeah and the turn to turn sort of like activity that you're doing as a player is probably not you know completely uh unique right like if you've played uh like lots of other types of co-op games you've probably played games like this you've got three actions for your character you're you're playing you know like you choose a character at the beginning of the game uh and then you're moving that character around on a board you've got three actions per round and you know there's a short list of things that you can do like move three spaces or attack or you know recover uh, or uh, trade. Like, you know, yeah, trade with another character, and then they've got like you know scenario based actions that you can do. Like when when we were playing the the masquerade one, it was like you could there were all these uh, like flipped over tokens on the board who represented dancers at this ballroom or the ball or, or the the masquerade or whatever. And one of the actions that you could do was to flip two of them over in a room to see if they are sorcerers or if they're just dancers. And then the other thing you could do in that scenario was if they were sorcerers, you could then escort the sorcerers out to towards a beach. And once you got enough of them out to that beach, you disrupted the ritual, and then you could fight the great old one that you were up against. Um, and that's basically it as far as, like, the sort of turn-to-turn actions mm-hmm. go, what you do in this game. Um, you know, other than that, it's just kind of following the structure of the turn, which after you've done that, you do, you know, the bad things happen thing. I think it's the Mythos card, right, in this game. Yep which yep. is a very common uh, title or, or name for, you know, the bad things happen in a Cthulhu game. I, I think it's like, you know, Mythos cards exist in Arkham Horror and probably they various do. other, yeah. uh, you know, Lovecraftian games. And then you, if there are bad things in your space, you get attacked by them. If there are not, then you do an investigation, and that tends to bring up useful cards, uh, but then they can also sort of like, you know, cost resources that you have to kind of like throw at them in order to acquire them. And if you don't do that, sometimes other bad things happen. Um, and that's kind of the gist of it in a nutshell, I think, right? Yeah, for the most part. Um, I mean, there's, uh, I think what the thing about it is that it, it tends to be, it's, it can get very intense. <laughs> um, because there are so many different elements to it that um you mean when the game gets intense yeah yeah yeah. in order for you to like be successful and like win the scenario or whatever you have to keep track of like a few different things uh not the least of which is your own health and sanity but then also you have to make sure that uh the uh the summoning track doesn't reach the end even if the great old one has been summoned already like the track still moves and if it ends you know gets to the end then you lose you also have to pay attention to the conditions for disrupting the ritual, which can get way out of hand. Um, and there's numerous ways that the you know the the deck and the game itself can sort of mess with you in that regard. Um, and the you know so the monsters that are showing up that are you know a major hindrance because you can't move anywhere with them around because they'll just follow you. And so it's um you know, there there's a bunch of moving bits here that if you ignore any one of them for too long, it's gonna like bite you in the behind. So when you said it gets intense, you literally meant like to succeed or fail at the game. Yeah. Uh, there's just a lot of, of things working against you, and that and, and that part of it is intense. Yeah, yeah, okay. for sure. Yeah. I, for a moment, I thought you were saying like the overhead as far as what you have to do as a player to keep the game going and working 
literally like doing the fiddly bits, right? Oh, <laughs> to like right, like yeah. say like all the conditional like you know at the end of this phase you have to do this for you know these monsters because that's what the card says for this particular scenario, and then you also have to do this other thing over here because that's what the great old ones card says for this particular you know great old one or whatever. And there's just all these conditional things happening or you know like things that are prescribed for certain timing windows within the game and stuff so like there's also it it can also feel a little bit intense in just in terms of like the amount of stuff that you have to remember to do it is but it it sort of falls into like a rhythm like it's the same thing happens every turn it's like well the same phases happen but like you but well, but, like, they, but they change based on just hey, hey now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they change based on you know the 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 stuff that you put in that particular scenario. So the scenario well, will have different actions available, and the old one will have different things that happen at the yeah, end. Yeah, but every hey turn. now, they but, also hey, change throughout the game because like when you well, when you go only from like occasionally. One- uh, often enough, though, that like it, it's it's something that we forgot to do a lot of stuff when we were playing both times. Like, like we forgot to like, you know, like, like check and see if we needed to take sanity hits, like at the end of a game when like Cthulhu was out or whatever. And we completely forgot that that's a thing now that we have to do because it's at the end of his, you know, like phase two card or his phase three card or whatever. But I think this is more our failure because we were. (laughs) So essentially, if you follow the, the turn outline as it's, it's printed on every character sheet. And if you follow that turn outline, then you'll, you'll get everything. But that's um, not just following what? an outline on a character sheet. That's following uh, an outline hey, on a character hey, sheet hey. and then cross-referencing <laughs> it with multiple other cards on the no. table. No, because it's a, the thing we weren't doing was the end of turn phase, which essentially is look at the old one card and see what it says. There, yeah, look at the old one card. You're saying, yeah, I'm looking at my character it. card and, and we it tells me to then look at the great old one card. That's a cross-reference right there. It is, but we weren't doing it. It's a simple thing that we weren't doing. Yeah, but I just like, well, but also we we were were, skipping the phase, basically. Well, we were skipping the phase, but like we were skipping parts of the phase, right? Like, like we, because like we were, there was part times where we were like, oh, I remember to do this thing from phase one Cthulhu, but now we're on phase two and we forgot that there's a new thing on phase two Cthulhu, right? Like it's just, but that that only happens when you start fighting him. Right. Yeah, I know. But I'm just saying like, you know, throughout the game, it just got more complicated and more complex. And and when you said intense earlier, I really thought you were talking about how fiddly it gets like throughout the game and how easy it is to just miss stuff like that. No, that's not what I was referring to, because that's stuff that you can I, I as I was trying to articulate before, there is a rhythm to it. And if you get the rhythm down, like it, it just it's not that much to take care of. It felt like it. Difference of opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, in both cases, in both games that we played, we forgot a lot of stuff, right? Like, we, we made lots of mistakes. Um, Like, that, 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 maybe it was our failure or whatever, but I mean, like, I feel like there was enough stuff there that it's not a simple game, you know? Like, there's, there's definitely a lot going on that you've got to do as the person running the game. Um, Much more than, like, you True. know, like a simpler game like Marvel United or whatever, right? I would say the mechanics of the game are not that difficult. No, no, it's... no. The, like, the player-based mechanics are not at all, right? Like, like right. if you Like, if you had a friends over and you're going to run the game and just allow them to run their characters, they don't have to worry about anything other than, like, you know, what room can I make it to? Do I need to kill something? And then can I do the scenario-based action to try to, like, you know, progress, progress us towards mm-hmm. the goal line, right? That's all yeah. a guest coming over would have to worry about running the game. But as the people, if you're trying to help run the 
game or you know you are the person the only person running the game then there's there's a lot more to worry about in that in, in that case right for for that person who is like running the game basically running yeah. both a character and also kind of dming the game essentially you know like, right yeah it just takes somebody that's sort of familiar with how the game runs yeah and i'm sure um, the more familiar you are obviously like with any game like it gets a lot easier and everything but right. i was just a little surprised at how much there was um you know given how simple the character like actual stuff was like like just moving the character around and and, and the, the actions that you can do with your action points and everything so yeah 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 um let's talk about the characters for a minute uh, okay there's, there's a lot of them um i think well you played one of this the both times we played you played one that was the same and then you uh, yeah got I a played, new one for the second time because we I were played, playing two characters was it frank no it was short, short leaf yeah, it was a sailor. Tony, uh, Tony, Tony, Tony. Yeah, it was Tony. Uh, Tony, the sailor man. And uh, yeah, we just kept calling him Shoreleaf because we're Venture Brothers fans. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I played him, and then I also played. Oh gosh, I can't remember now. Somebody with guns or something. I don't. Yeah, know. Rocco. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Um. So we we played this twice. The first time we played just with one character each, and the game was insanely difficult. <laughs> I, I would say like impossible like i don't know how <laughs> we could have won the game um in that circumstance with only two characters to like because they don't this is the thing like and i let's just get there right because like otherwise like like the game doesn't scale to the character count no, right like not. like it does not have any mechanics baked into it other than the fact that you do a mythos card at the end of a, a turn so that you know like there's going to be the same number of mythos cards I guess, like, you know, like, if two players are only there and two characters, then, you know, it's going to be... Like, per I guess round, that, do- gonna that be two doesn't scale. Cards. Now that I think about it, though, because, like, you, you might need a Mythos card to not pop up and make something move towards you um, before you make it to, like, a certain room or something with one character, and you might need there to be, like, you know, um, you know, one Mythos card would be better, or two Mythos cards, I don't know. Anyway, you... That's the only thing that I can think of that kind of that, that that works is that there's a mythos card at the end of every round, but the there's there's no scaling with goals, right? Like like in our game, both games, we had to get four sorcerers out to this one location in order to make the great old one vulnerable. And right. That did not scale. Like it wasn't two sorcerers for the two character game and four sorcerers for the four character game. It was four sorcerers <laughs> for both games and so we right. had to like cover this like multi-tiered like it was a two-story level like giant mansion or whatever with two characters in one game which was just really difficult because you can't cast a wide enough net um and then it became much more manageable when we played with four characters the next time um yeah, yeah. and and i think in addition to that like there's definitely like a certain amount of damage and that you're doing and taking both ways and i think that it gets a little bit more manageable with four characters to kind of spread that out amongst yeah, we also did a couple things differently the second time in addition to having more characters, which certainly was was a help because of the aforementioned wider net that we needed. Yeah. Um, but also, I think one of the things that we kind of realized is that the only way your characters get more powerful is yeah. if they if they engage in in activities that forces them to roll dice, uh, yeah. most of which are going to be combat based. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and I think we were sort of less hesitant to get into combat the second time around because we knew that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause as you go crazy, you're also kind of like unlocking skill points or, or skills on your character sheet. You've got like three tracks for each character. And every time you reach a certain threshold of insanity, you get to unlock one of the skills that's next on the track of, on one of those three tracks. And, and that's kind of how your character gets 
um, stronger throughout the game or, you know, like more useful, has yeah. more utility, yeah. hits harder, you know, can take more damage, whatever. Um, and so we were, we but were it's also bit... dangerous because yeah. if you push it too far, if you end up going completely insane, then right. you're out of the game. Right. Yeah. I, like I, in, in that second game, I, I pushed Rocco real hard. Right. And, yeah. um, during that last round, he got a lot of damage on Cthulhu once Cthulhu was up and was like, wow, Rocco just did half of Cthulhu's health, but then Rocco died. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Cause he went too crazy and that's, that's it for Rocco. He reached the skull and bones at the end of that, that, uh, that little lane and that yeah, was you're, it you're insane and now you're completely useless Thank yeah you. exactly um <laughs> so yeah there's a little bit of a balancing act there but you definitely can't just like you know uh hide and and be non-aggressive throughout the whole game if you want to be prepared for a fight with a great old one in the end so. right unless that happens to be the character's particular strength i guess maybe I but, mean, st- I don't but think, still i don't think we like saw a character if, like that <laughs> well i mean i, I think uh the first round we played i played whatever the femme fatale's name was i think it was like tina or something uh-huh and her thing seemed to be sneaking around to do stuff which was nice because i could evade like engagements that might tie me down in a room or having things follow me into other rooms but on the other hand i engaged in combat less often and so i didn't really get to skill up any of my abilities yeah well i mean i don't think there was any did she have any mechanics that would have made i mean she didn't have any mechanics that would have made her more useful in the end game against the great old one because she was stealthy, right? Right. So, I mean, I, th- I feel like we haven't seen a character that benefits from not engaging in things uh, as far yeah. as the, the end game goes, you know? Like, it, it only, like, helps yeah. them avoid trouble on the way there, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which almost feels like I mean... almost like a misbalanced character for the way the game goes. I mean, yeah, it, could, it does seem like a weird kind of thing to or it's throw just, into there. Or it'd just be very, like, you know, like, once or twice a game situational where you're like, I really can't fight this thing right now, I need to get through, and then maybe next round I'll just keep killing stuff, you know? Um, right, yeah. You only do it a couple times so that you're not really hamstringing yourself too much in experience, yeah. but um, but then, you know, like, there's other characters that have stuff that's, like, useful almost every turn, so... Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, so I, each character does have like a unique skill track to that character, um, and they can be more or less useful. Some of them I find completely useless. Um, yeah, more more useful I think are the generalized ones. So every character sheet has three skill tracks. The top skill track is unique to that character, and then the bottom two come from a stock pool. Um, so it's like you know stealth or defense or you know something. Um, and usually those stock ones, I think are, are more, more useful than the, um, than the, the, the one that's specific to the character. That's like where we saw like toughness and, uh, yeah, balling, toughness, that you was, know, yeah. And, <laughs> and those are like, do more damage, take more damage and surprise, surprise. That makes a yeah. huge difference all the time. <laughs> yeah. Much more useful. Yeah. So like the kid, the second time we played, I played with this, the character called the kid. It's just a little girl. Um, and her, her unique ability had something to do with the spawning gates. Uh, it was, (laughs) it was like, if something, if a monster spawns in a room that she is standing in, then it spawns with half its health. Yeah. Um, Which in certain situations could be really, really helpful, but it also kind of locks the girl down to that one specific location. Which isn't really, that's not really reasonable in this game. No, especially if you have to, like, wander throughout this huge mansion finding sorcerers. I mean, right. it's, to have her just sort of sit in one place does not seem beneficial. Yeah, I mean, especially early game, you need to be moving. You need to be moving around and, and combing the entire area for 
whatever it is that you're looking for for the particular scenario. Um, you can't really mm. be just stationary until late game, which we were stationary late game because we were just fighting Cthulhu in a ballroom. Uh, <laughs> and then eventually he moved and we had to go and chase him and then we were stationary again. But in that early game, you definitely need to be moving around as much as possible. Yeah. Um, yeah. So th- that's the end. The end game is that's basically kind of how it plays out every time is once. So the the old one can show up one of two ways. Either if you disrupt the ritual, um, he gets summoned immediately and you fight him. Or if you um, if if he gets summoned through the progression track, um, he he gets summoned on the board. Although you can't damage him until the the ritual is disrupted. So. Um, but in either case, like once the ritual is disrupted, like you, it's basically like a park and bark. You like sit in a room and hammer at the thing until either you die or it does. You roll dice for yourself. You roll dice for it. And right. Yeah. Yep. And I mean, that particular combat takes place in stages. So every time you deplete a certain number of health, it goes to like a, you know, it's, it's, it's next form or whatever. (laughs) Um, and that usually involves it like teleporting to another room and uh you know it gets new abilities but it tends to also hit less hard might, um, might so... summon more ads or something like you know like like cultists or star spawn or right whatever, yeah you know like that sort yeah, of yeah so happen. cthulhu uh cthulhu in particular like every there's four stages to every uh great old one and as his stages get revealed, combating him makes people go insane faster and faster. Yeah. Now, we're talking um, about the combat. There was one more thing about the combat was that you can do a re-roll if you want, if you don't like your results. Oh, um, yeah. And you've got, a, you've got a stress track in addition to the sanity track and in addition to your, you know, like, meat health track. And you can take a stress in order to re-roll your dice. That stress is sort of like a resource, though. It reminded me of stamina in Descent because... Sometimes mm-hmm. you can use it to like do an extra thing, like reroll dice or whatever. Um, but also sometimes the game forces you to use the stress, and then if you can't take any more stress, then it takes you take wounds. Um, which sometimes. is pretty much exactly how stamina worked in Descent was that if something forced you to take stamina and then you couldn't, then you had to take wounds. Um, so it kind of reminded me of that, which is you know like that's that's a fine system, and that does give you a little bit more choice during a combat than just roll dice, right? Um, there's a little bit more of a, of a decision process going on there, other than just you know. There's no decision if you just roll dice. It's just rolling dice. But I mean, like at least this way, you've got like you know, uh, I've got this one of the resource that I'm trying to manage, and is this worth taking this hit in order to do a reroll and maybe get one extra hit out of it, or you know, avoid yeah. one hit um, that the you know when I'm being attacked or whatever. So right, yeah. So of note in this particular discussion is we've been doing the rerolling of the dice thing wrong. All right. Uh, yeah, both times we played, we we said we thought it was you could take a stress to reroll all the dice that you just rolled. It's actually you take a stress to re-roll one die. Well, that could which be better in some sort of I think it, yeah, yeah, I think is better because yeah. say you roll like, I don't know, uh, you you roll decently but not enough. Like there's one right. die that showed up that was really bad. Like you could save the good stuff and then re-roll the bad one. There were lots of times Instead of having where, to toss them all again. There were lots of times where we like we were like one hit away from killing a monster and we're like, I'm going to go for it. And so we would re-roll in that, in that scenario. And, yeah. and this makes it easier to get that last hit or not lose any of the hits that we had, right? At least. Right, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, I actually like that better than, than the way we were playing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we also were, just again, to be completely honest, we were also playing with the Mythos deck wrong. So the way that the the summoning track works is, um, so at the end of every person's turn, you pull a, a Mythos card, and some of the Mythos cards have a particular symbol on it. And when the discard pile has three cards with those symbols on it, then the, the old one track advances one space. Um, however, (laughs) 
What is supposed to happen is that once the track advances, you take the entire discard pile, shuffle it back into the draw pile, and start again. We were playing just straight up going through the through yeah. the draw pile until that. That might also make things easier if you end up just redrawing cards that don't move the the, the great old yeah. one summoning track forward. So exactly, yeah. definitely change. So we were doing a couple of major things wrong here. Yeah, which may have made things way harder for us than they should have been. So. Yeah. Uh, and we came away from it feeling pretty dejected the first time. Like, how could you ever beat this game? Um, and the second <laughs> time, we managed to squeak. Did we squeak a win out of that one? I think we did, right? Like, I think we barely, did. Yeah. I mean, despite barely. all the the wrong stuff that we did, I mean, yeah. I think I think we managed to do it. <laughs> we lost, I think, two of the four characters at least, if not three. Um, I think we lost all yeah. three, three out of the four by the end, right? And you had one left that like managed yeah. to kill it or whatever. Yeah. Um, by yeah. the skin of my teeth, really. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, maybe maybe we would have had a few more, you know, or li- at least one or two more people alive by the end had we followed the rules correctly. Right, um, yeah. Okay, so uh, anyway, all that said, Jason, how do you enjoy this game? Um, You know, the more I think about it, the more I actually did enjoy it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, it's... Uh, I don't think it's anything groundbreaking. You know, I we said this before, like, the, the mechanics of the thing aren't particularly uh unique or or new or whatever else but i mean as far as like a dice chucking kind of thing goes i thought it was okay i think that's exactly what it is it's 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 a fine salad of game mechanics that have come from plenty of other games that are sound mechanics um you know it's got like little pieces of the others in there with the way that you unlock new abilities and get a little stronger as you're like kind of like taking damage or stress or whatever throughout the game insanity um Mm -hmm. you know it's it's got Obviously, like dice mechanics and you know, like reroll mechanics and stuff that exist in lots of other games. Mythos phase, obviously, we've been doing that for twenty years now. Um, <laughs> but it's a fine package as far as just a sort of dice chucking, you know, non not too complicated for the players game goes. You know, it's one of those. Yeah. I mean, uh, there are things that I wish were better about it. Like I, I wish the characters were more unique. Um, I, I wish that the base set came with more old ones than just two. Um, although it does come with like eight or nine different scenarios so that, you know, that provides some variety, but, um, you know, I, I wish you didn't have to go into like an expansion set to get another like big enemy to fight or something like that. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. There are some rules I don't like, like the thing where if you move out of a room with monsters, they all follow you. I don't like that. Benny Hill video. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think um, that I think that if you've played Zombicide and you're like, I wish there was just a little bit more to this, like literally like five percent, then this is your game. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair assessment. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, so this is an expensive game. Do you think that? Okay, I think MSRP for the game is like over a hundred dollars or something. Oh, is it really? I, wow. Uh, hold on. Let me. Don't quote me on that. Let's see. Uh. Well, on Amazon, it's going for eighty right now. Let's say what. Let's see what they say on Simon's website. Let's see if it's available. It's one hundred and ten dollars for the base oh. game. One hundred and ten. Uh, so yeah, price wise, no, I don't think that's. I don't <laughs> think it's worth one hundred and ten dollars. Yeah. Uh, what about eighty uh, on Amazon? It's it's eighty right now. It looks like. Um, you know that still seems a little pricey to me, but <laughs> you know, all right. So the the minis I mean, are really the, great, right? The, yeah, this is the thing with Simon games. Like, you're, a lot of what you're paying for are the the miniatures, and they're. I mean, again, they look great as they do in most Simon games. So, um, so there's that. So it's it's like really good minis with a sort of decent game attached to it. Yeah, yeah. I I think that like if you're interested in this game and you can get it at a discount of like you know let's say sixty bucks, 
then I think you're like sitting pretty there, right? Like that you're going to have fun with this if this is the kind of like weight of a game you're looking for, like like just a Zombicide Plus essentially. Um the the miniatures are going to be really awesome. You're going to really enjoy those if you like miniatures. Um I think that like, you know, the characters while not being incredibly deep are fun and like having, you know, like sort of three tracks that you know, are sort of mixed and matched between all the different characters to give them sort of like a little bit of flavor. That is fun, you know, like that's, I think, kind of sure, in yeah. keeping in line with like sort of like what you saw with like Zombicide or, or um, what was the other game that we had? Uh, the Massive Darkness characters and everything. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. there's just enough flavor there to make them feel like fun enough for this sort of a game. Um, mm-hmm. But then, you know, mechanically, you're going to be it's not going to burn your brain out or anything trying to figure out what you should be doing in order uh, like from turn to turn, you know, it's like, Oh, we still yeah. need to find two more of these things. Well then go look for them, you know, and kill the <laughs> right, things yeah. that get in your way. That's it. Yeah. Go flip some discs over. Yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so <laughs> yeah. if that's, if that's what you're looking for, for your game night, then yeah, sure. Look for this at a discount. Um, but you know, I wouldn't go, this isn't something that I feel like really, uh, is begging you to go and spend $300 on it to get the base game and all the expansions and everything. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know. Like that's that's kind of where I where I'm left at personally on it is that uh I don't need this in my library. Like already having like plenty of co-ops and you know like having a long history of Cthulhu board games and stuff, but you know, I'm not the Cthulhu guy between the two of us. So <laughs> I true, yeah. I can enjoy a Cthulhu game just fine and you know like Arkham Horror was one of my earliest games, so I have like fondness for it a bit. Um but I don't have the sort of passion that I think you have for it. So <laughs> Yeah, if there's one thing I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. It's tentacles, it's, right? It's tentacles. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Any any other thoughts or feelings on Cthulhu: Death May Die, Jason? <laughs> no, uh, I I I feel like it's a decent game. I, okay. I enjoy it. It yeah. is decent. Yeah. It um, is decent. Seven out of ten. Sure. Yeah, that's that's fair. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, all right. All right, if you'd like to get a hold of us and let me know what the very best Cthulhu game of all time is, how would they do so, Jason? <laughs> okay, so to cast your vote for Cthulhu Munchkin, you can email us. It's uh, podcast at limitedplaytime.com. You can go to the website, limitedplaytime.com. You can tweet us at limitedplaytime or go to Instagram at limitedplaytimepodcast. There's definitely one person out there that is very passionate about Cthulhu Munchkin. Oh, I'm sure they exist. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) All right. Okay. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you in about two weeks. Uh, Right. We've got one more to do before Gen Con. Is that correct? Yeah, Yeah. it is. Okay. One more regular episode before Gen Con. And then I I think that we're going to be dodging, dodging COVID with our masks and hopefully. (laughs) uh, And sniper rifles. I don't know. (laughs) No, we're not taking sniper rifles to Gen Con. No, definitely not. Sorry. Not not doing that. Yeah, I know. Just masks and hand sanitizer. That's it. Yep. Those are our weapons. Yep. All (laughs) All right. right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Later. Bye.